It's our job as CMOs and marketing leaders and aspiring CMOs sitting in the room to own the go-to-market strategy, but you co-own it with your counterparts in CX, in product, in sales, and in marketing. So um, I think that's an important distinction and something we all get an opportunity to take on in, in the future. The B2B Marketing Exchange brings together B2B marketing and sales practitioners from across the country to get the latest tools and tips they need to succeed. Now, we're bringing the insights from the stage to your ears. I'm Claudia Tarico, And I'm Kelly Lindenau. And this is the B2B Marketing Exchange Podcast. Hello, hello, everyone. Season eight of the B2B MX podcast is going strong. There were so many great sessions from our event a few months ago, so we're bringing it back to Scottsdale today to hear from some of the top CMOs in B2B. The CMO panels are honestly one of my favorite parts of B2B MX because they really give us that behind-the-scenes look at the priorities and challenges of marketing leaders. So this year's panel featured Karen Steele of Sendoso, Natalie Cunningham of Terminus, Brian Law of ZoomInfo, and Nate Skinner of Onfido. And these experts really dug into how they're handling the constant pressure to generate revenue and drive growth in our post-pandemic world. Yeah, man, I actually said this when I introduced this panel in Scottsdale, but CMO's jobs are really hard. And it's evident that the role is constantly evolving and expanding, especially in this quote unquote looming recession. So let's dive right into this episode in three, two, one. Great. Good afternoon. As we close the show, I hope you guys have all had a great couple few days. One of my favorite events of the year. I have the distinct pleasure. I'm Karen Steele. I have the distinct pleasure of moderating this panel. I'll be chiming in from time to time. Um, so I'm going to let each of the panelists do a quick introduction. Um, thank you, Claudia, for already um, stating our names and where we come from. I'm in a company called Sendoso. Um, we've had a lot of activity here. It was a great event for us. Uh, we're in the direct marketing automation space, but my job today is to try and get a whole bunch of insights out of this group of folks and, and hopefully inspire you as you leave the show this afternoon. So I'm going to start with Nate and ask you to introduce yourself and your company. Thanks, Karen. Nate Skinner. Um, it's on Fido. I know everybody wants to say on Fido, but that's not how it's pronounced. It actually comes from the Latin term confido, which stands for entrust, or means entrust in Latin. Um, I've been the CMO there for about 15 months, I guess, and I go back a while with Karen at Salesforce. I used to run marketing for Pardot, but right now we're in the ID verification and biometric space, and it's a lot of fun, and we're moving aggressively into the U.S. market, and I'm a pleasure to be here, and thank you for having me. Awesome. Hi, everyone. I'm Natalie Cunningham. I am in my first year as CMO at Terminus, and I would tell you about who we are, but I bet you all already know. Uh, we're an ABM platform. We actually pioneered the space. Uh, we're the first ABM platform. I come from agency and consulting, spent most of my life helping people do demand gen and build pipeline and then actually doing the work myself and building my own ABM programs and executing those strategies. And now I get the pleasure of working with customers that are solving those same problems and solving those problems for terminus. Glad to be here. Uh, I'm Brian Law. I'm the CMO at Zoom Info. I've also been enrolled uh, for less than a year. Uh, joined in uh, July of last year. Uh, Zoom Info, you probably know us from our roots, which is uh, a data company mainly leveraged by sales, and we've done a lot since then to really expand into an engagement platform 
across sales and marketing. So we have an ABM platform as well. And then we really try and automate all of those activities. Uh, looking forward to, to speaking more. Excellent. So I'm going to pose some questions to the panel. And hopefully at the end, if there's any questions from the audience, we can address them. Um, I'm going to be mindful of our time because I know we have a, a closing keynote coming after this. Um, but obviously, we're all living in a changing world right now. Um, and for all of us, whatever positions we're in in marketing, I think the concept of it's not growth at all costs. Customer retention is a big part of the game now. So my first question to the panel is, what has changed in the role and expectations of your job as the CMO? So many of you, um, whether you're in a public company or private company, you have expectations from your board, from your leadership team. What's changed? What's different? Nate, let's start with you. I mean, it's not so much changed, I think, but it's very much heightened is the need to be extremely efficient. Um, capturing, you know, when we spend a dollar, what is that dollar going to get us? Sometimes just acknowledging that the dollar is going to get us awareness and it's going to get eyeballs and that, you know, doesn't necessarily translate into pipe is an important observation to make. And as long as you can state that, uh, we like to follow the old 70-20-10 byline of, uh, it's kind of an easy compound of demand gen, 70% of our budget, 20% of our budget to awareness, and 10% to reserve for like experimentation. Uh, we follow that pretty closely, and uh, nowadays we have to be able to really articulate the why behind those dollars. I think that's always been true, but nowadays that would be what I say is really the finer point is like justification of dollars spent. and. Those dollars spent here mean we can't do something else, and do we understand the trade-off? Natalie? Um, I love being second because Nate took my answer. Um, I, <laughs> so, yeah, so it's harder for me to I know, that. right? Uh, so, I mean, efficiency is the name of the game, and I think that we've all heard that. You've probably been talking about that this entire conference. What has changed specifically for me is because we have an efficiency mandate, and my board doesn't care as much about 100% growth quarter over quarter as they do about healthy, sustainable, cost-efficient, 30% growth, I find myself spending a lot more time aligning and driving our go-to-market motion with my product leader, with my sales leader, with my CX leader, but truly kind of being the, the head of that motion and pulling all those pieces and parts together that we all have a place and we all have a role to play. But in marketing, I'm uniquely aligned to the entire buying journey I care about what the product does. I need to have my finger on the pulse of what the market is doing. I need to understand the pre-sales journey and the post-sales journey. And so I've spent a lot of time in aligning those teams. And I've found the differences where maybe two years ago, I would have had to push for that. Today, they are really craving more alignment and more direction for that group because all of us have to say no to things. We all have to get focused and prioritized. And having someone that can connect all of those dots is invaluable today. Um, similar answer. So uh, this is my first uh, CMO role. I uh, came up through the demand gen side. Actually, most of my career was in strategy, both consulting and inside. Uh, but when I was preparing for this role, and I was talking to lots of people and doing lots of different interviews, it seemed that it was always sort of three buckets that, that potential CEOs were looking for. They were looking for demand gen. They were looking for someone who was more sort of brand awareness or someone who was more on uh, product marketing side. Uh, and I would say there's sort of been a broader trend in the Wall Street Journal put out an article about this uh, maybe a month ago that was saying like demand gen has to be one of the things that you can do well. Like it used to be you'd be strong in one and hopefully you'd rely on part of your team to get stuff done. 
That is really, really critical. I'd say the second thing is, uh, and I really love the book How Brands Grow on the Ehrenberg Bass Institute that talks about this concept of mental availability, and that's really, really key to drive further growth. That is really important too, but if you can't try and demonstrate that value in a quantifiable way, it's going to be really tough for you to get the investment that you need. And that is bad as a CMO, but it's also bad for your organization because that's what's really going to be required for long-term growth. And then I think the um, sort of the piece that you also hit on is that tight integration between sales and marketing and thinking holistically about the customer journey in those two pieces, but also across customer experience is critical because that's where you're going to find a lot of the efficiencies that you won't find just looking at individual silos. Yeah, great, great commentary. I think, um, you know, if I could just summarize some of the things you've heard, I think efficiency is the name of the game. Um, yes, we're all being budget conscious, but I think the customer is more important than ever. So um, one of the things I loved about, I think, what you heard from all the panelists here is that it's our job as CMOs and marketing leaders and aspiring CMOs sitting in the room to own the go-to-market strategy, but you co-own it with your counterparts in CX, in product, in sales, and in marketing. So um, I think that's an important distinction and something we all get an opportunity to take on in, in the future. Um, so just thinking about your own business, we all have very different businesses here. Um, what are some of the new strategies that you're either deploying currently or considering deploying, giving everything that's going on in the market around you. We'll start with you, Nate. You want to start with me again? Yep. Uh, no, I'm scared. I'm going to steal no, your... go for it. Go okay. for it. Um, what are some of the new strategies? Yes. So I think a lot of this is related to kind of what Brian said. I mean, uh, and, and what you said as well, Natalie. It's the efficiencies drive creativity. It shouldn't... Because we're trying to be efficient and we're trying to manage every dollar we spend as effectively as we can and drive demand does not mean we shouldn't explore creative ways of doing things to stand out and differentiate. And actually, a big challenge for most of you, I think, in the, in, especially in the marketing and B2B marketing space, is differentiating what you have to say for the buyer that you're trying to reach. And so some of the strategies we're using to do that kind of differentiation, you know, we were, I think we were talking about this at, at the rooftop party with somebody there, um, you know, out of home, billboards versus what used to only be digital or display. Um, we experiment with a VR headset when I was at Pardot. It's like teaching people how to use the product in a way that they had never done before. Um, some of the, the ultimately the strategies that we're deploying right now are are creative and different, while at the same time being extremely measurable, and so we can determine quickly if it's working or not working, and shut it off if it isn't, and turn it up if it does. Um, that's really the way I would summarize that. I don't I don't know what you, what do you that's think, Natalie? I'm going to have a different one. Yeah, that's so great. Um, well, although I agree with that and, and we're doing some of those things ourselves, the, the big difference at Terminus Marketing, and of course I talk to our customers all the time and I'm, they're probably doing way cooler stuff than we are, but um, the big difference we're seeing in our strategies right now is actually getting back to the basics. And what I don't mean is getting back to your demand gen playbook from 2015. I actually mean getting back to the basics of why we all got into marketing, which is about telling stories, in particular compelling stories, to humans that then make a purchase decision. And so when I ask my team to do less better and we say, stop focusing on activity, instead I want you to focus on impact, that means every ad that we put out, every piece of content we create, every page of our website needs to tell a differentiated and compelling story or we're just focused on activity. We're just checking boxes to get stuff done. And that's really changed the way we look at 
our priorities in any given week, how many campaigns and programs we do. We're getting deeper and more differentiated in our content and maybe putting out less ads or maybe putting out less campaigns, but they have a bigger impact because we actually have something to say. Um, I'm going to be a contrarian. Uh, so uh, something I, I find really fascinating is understanding how our, our brains work and how that, that plays a role within, within marketing. Uh, and, and there's a decent amount of research that shows that the most effective way to actually approach marketing is understanding people's mental structures, the memories that they have, and trying to tap into those so that you're actually then attaching your brand into sort of pre-existing memories that folks have. Uh, and so I would say one of the things that I'm excited is becoming maybe more of a focus is this difference between being distinctive and differentiated. Uh, so I think we naturally think we want to be differentiated, and in fact there's a decent amount of research that shows that people think about us in the same way that they think about Terminus within the marketing space, although not entirely true because most people don't think about us in the marketing space yet. Uh, and it really what you want to do is you want to stand out and you want to be memorable. Uh, and so I think that, that type of research is starting to become more at the forefront of how we do marketing, and particularly in B2B, it's been in B2C for a while. So I think that's a great input change. And then in terms of the ways that we go to marketing, I do think there's much more of a focus of how do you start with the customer and the experience that they want to work with, uh, and then back into the marketing that you're doing, rather than, hey, I'm going to send an email, and I'm going to send a display ad, and hopefully they're somewhat the same, and then sales is probably having a completely different conversation. And so I do think that's becoming more of a priority as well, and it also ties into the efficiency component. Love this. So <clears throat> if I were to summarize again, I think um, experimentation is critical. Some of the newer technologies, Nate mentioned some of those. Storytelling, getting more personal, more human, People buy from people. As marketers, at the end of the day, we have to remember people don't necessarily buy from vendors or companies. They buy from human beings. So creating those personal moments are super important. Um, I'm going to throw another question out there that I think is probably top of mind for this audience. And I'm going to do a little bit of sort of rapid fire for all of you. And we can start at the end, actually, uh, this time. But top three metrics that you measure. Um, so as a, as a business, and as, I think as much as possible for us, the, the way that we can align with sales puts us in a better spot because if you start with what sales cares about, it's easier to try and influence them. So they care the most on a, a monthly basis on, on ACV. And so that is sort of the primary metric that we're trying to drive towards. Uh, then uh, sort of secondarily pipeline is sort of the next most important thing to sales, so we then think through that. Uh, and then uh, sort of an important ratio for us is the efficiency between sort of the handoff between marketing and our SDR team, which is part of sales, and then the sales team. And so we're looking at that efficiency that we're driving through sort of that connected group. And we tend to look at it as sort of an ACV per MQL or potentially ACV per demo. It's uh, a way that we think about it. Are we going this direction? Okay. Yep, we are. Um, I, the first one I measure is actually NRR. Um, and we're, we're looking at that with breakdowns between those that had some sort of meaningful engagement with, a, they were in a target account program, or they had meaningful engagement with a piece of content or uh, a set of things over a period of time, and we saw a lift uh, in those accounts that had that engagement. So we're doing sort of a comparison metric. Uh, but overall, I just as a starting point, I guess, I measure our marketing team on business metrics. We don't have our own separate metrics that are at the um, business reporting level. So like our revenue target is the company revenue target. Our pipeline target is the company pipeline target. Our GRR target is the company GRR target. Marketing should touch and influence and impact every single piece of that puzzle if we're doing our job well. The GR or NRR, sorry, is the first one I launched. And then uh, we do look at pipeline efficiency, but again, I'm looking at it across all channels of pipe source. Uh, whether that we do still have things that come in inbound. I'm an ABM uh, company. We do that too. 
but people come to us inbound, uh, and then we also watch our channel motions through that, so I'm looking at pipe efficiency. And then my third one that I'm looking at consistently is close rate. So I do care about ACV and I care about value, uh, but I also want to make sure that everything that we are driving efficiently into pipeline is actually closing, and that's a good circular metric for me to get back to make sure I'm driving the right type of pipeline and to have those conversations with my CRO and also show that I'm invested in what their key metrics are, not just generating pipeline and then throwing my hands up and saying, you're a problem. That doesn't work very well. It doesn't. Um, it doesn't. I, I agree with all those. I, I think, obviously, pipeline, backing up from what the sales team cares about, which is ACB, net revenue retention, these are all critical. I tend to look at it slightly differently, um, not to say that those things aren't things we measure, because we do all those things. Um, but what we think about is, in this, there's a great graph that CEB produced. I use it all the time in our slides. My team knows it well. That talks about demand getting created doesn't start with the form fill or the MQL or the lead. It starts way back when they first opened their browser and started looking for you. And so what we're measuring is all the things that lead to pipe. So if we're just looking at pipe dashboards and saying, how much pipe do we have today? Is that good, bad, or otherwise? We're not taking into account all the things that led to that moment. And for each of the sources of pipe in your company, you probably have your, you know, what we used to call it, Salesforce, the four horsemen. We have four horsemen here at Onfido as well, our existing customers, AEs, outbounding, SDRs, and marketing. Of all of those, there's the things that you're doing before it becomes pipe that you need to be measuring. And that's what we measure. I, I focus in on, are we generating enough traffic of a certain quality to the website? How do you know if it's the right quality? Because our MQL should start to increase because those rules are adjusted for what someone's experience is. And if we're seeing the traffic increase through organic search and content programs that we're tightly focused on, that will lead to MQLs, that will lead to more pipe, that will lead to more real deals. And if all of that's flowing, then I don't have, the, the pipe stuff is kind of a, it's a result of the work that's, that, you know what I mean? So I, I get less focused on the pipe. I mean, obviously the board cares about that. Um, our customers care about that, meaning the sales team and our product teams. But at the end of the day, if you're not inspecting what is leading to that way up funnel, upstream, um, you're, you're going to miss it. You're just going to be frustrated by why is this not what it should be. Or when it's all green, everybody's high-fiving, you don't really know why it's green. It just is. That's a long-winded answer. But Can, can I add one, one thing? A really good point. Um, so something, those are all metrics that we share sort of between sales and marketing. There's another one that, uh, or sort of another set of one that we look at in marketing that just maybe doesn't get as much traction in the organization, but I think it's really important. It ties in to this concept of mental availability. So uh, it's the propensity in buying situations that your buyer is going to think of you. Uh, and sort of the, the way that it's set up is when you're in a buying situation, what are the thoughts, feelings, emotions that essentially go off in your head and then how well it is attached to your brand. And there's a number of ways that we try and understand that. And so that is something that within marketing we look at. But honestly, if I'm talking to sales, they're like, that's fascinating. <laughs> I care about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's awesome. So I want to take a moment and talk about um, the importance, Natalie, you mentioned NRR. Mm -hmm. And I firmly believe that marketing has to co-own net retention rate with your customer success and sales teams. So I want to talk a little bit about what you are all doing on the customer marketing front, which is a personal passion of mine. Um, when I was at Marketo, we called it the AAA, and we talked about advisory, advocacy, and adoption. And we had programs across all of those things. So if we believe that right now customers more, customer retention is more important than anything, what are you all doing on the customer marketing front? And Natalie, why don't we start with you? Sure. 
Uh, I'm, I'm winking at my director of customer marketing here. She's excited we're talking about this. Um, it's a huge focus for us this year. I would say um, when I asked my leadership team what they thought, my, my CXO and um, my CRO, what they thought our allocation should look like between new business and existing business in terms of how I was allocating my marketing budget for this year. Uh, the assumption from the, the experience or customer officer was, oh, we're only going to get about 10%, right? Like, I know we're an afterthought. And that's not the case this year. Um, not to say that we spend our budget in the same way on our customers as we do net new, because it's a different situation when you have to drive brand awareness versus when they're already aware of you and you're expanding your relationship. We use different channels and tactics. Uh, but we are allocating more like 35% of our budget this year to be really focused on on our customers we do have a AAA, that's a great way to put it. We do have advocacy programs, we have adoption programs, we have full life cycle programs. Um, but one of the things we are doing in particular this year that's a little different is really getting into deal strategy in partnership with our CSMs in the same way that we would for a large enterprise deal on the new business side, partnering with that AE, we're getting a little bit more hands-on uh, with our customer experience. And while I find a ton of value in our advocacy programs. I absolutely think the life cycle work is important. I promise you we are not going to advocacy our way out of an economic problem. If they don't have the budget, they don't have the budget. We have to help them understand the value of this versus something else. And that doesn't come from uh, having more events and sending them gifts. We think those things are important, but in this economy, I think it's more important that we're giving them ROI reports, that we're having meaningful business conversations, that we're having executive support with our large customers, and we're helping them connect the dots to prove their value within their organization. Excellent. Okay. Go ahead. So honestly, this is an area where I, I struggle a bit because I, I know what we are doing and we, the more stuff we're going to do on the customer side and then what the research uh, says. So mentioned Aaron Bergmass Institute, we're corporate sponsors of them. They actually came and spoke to our leadership team two weeks ago. And a lot of what their research has found across industries, B2B, B2C, that your customer retention numbers and your customer growth are a function of your penetration in the market. So the more you bring in new customers, the better your retention rates will be, the better your customer growth numbers are going to be. And there's actually overconfidence on the customer side of how much you can influence those numbers. So you can still influence them, just not as much as you can. So that's what the research says. And then I'm going to set that aside with what we actually do. Um, so I'd love to internalize it more, but I, I haven't quite been able to, to figure out how to sort of fully um, absorb it. Uh, so we very disproportionately spent on, on new business. We are increasing, particularly sort of the past 12 months, uh, the level and granularity with which we measure how we are doing sort of our uh, sort of uh, scoring models on sort of the customer side, uh, the way in which we're trying to do customer advocacy efforts, uh, the way in which we're trying to do account-based motions in support and the extent to which we're doing account-based motions in support of our teams. Uh, and so we are doing a lot more. And again, I just wrestle with it because the research tells me I'm not effectively making decisions, uh, but it still seems like the right thing to do given everything that's going on. So, uh, yeah, related to some of the things you mentioned. Yeah, I mean, uh, we, the customers you've got cost way less to keep than the customers you haven't got yet. I was, we all know that, right? It's like business 101 or something. Um, and so focusing on retention and expansion within our customer base is a critical influence that marketing should have in your company. If you don't have somebody who owns it, like you have your director of customer marketing, we have an owner of customer marketing, you should. Because 
they're thinking about how do we keep all the people that have already paid us money, that already know we exist, how do we keep them happy and engaged to renew and expand next year? It is the most important thing, especially in the SaaS world, right? Um, and so what we, we do is focus, I, we don't, we don't kind of like you, we don't um, differentiate our budget that way, but we, pr we create programs, make email great again, right, for our customers, um, where we are educating and informing them. What's the best emails you get as a, as a user? Like, I love my Nest email, right? Because it tells me that I'm winning more leaves than my neighbors. And it's like informative, it's useful. What does it make me do? It makes me use the Nest app. That's what we do with our programs for our customers is inform, kind of to your point, ROI returns. Yeah. How are you doing? How are you doing compared to your peer group? We educate and inform, kind of like the Apple Store is our approach to our customer communications for marketing to keep them excited about what we can be doing, let them know where they haven't quite gotten all the value out of it. And ideally, as that moves them through their journey with us, when it comes time to expand or renew, they're, they're, it's a kind of foregone conclusion. That's, that's our real focus in the customer marketing motion. There's something uh, that you said I was going to add to. Um, I love what you were saying about email and actually providing them value with those things that you send out. Something that we've been talking about a lot this year with our customer marketing is really creating a, I'm going to say, community with a lowercase c. So it's not about spinning up a community microsite and having a place that's a forum that they can send messages. It's actually getting out of the way of our customers sharing information, sharing best practices, sharing solutions with each other, allowing our, our prospects to be a part of that conversation as well. Because there, there really hasn't been a harder time to be a B2B marketer. And it is the number one thing that we get asked for over and over and over and over again from our customers. And I think we have this sort of formal definition of what a community must be and you have to hire a community manager. And it's really not that. It's about us getting out of the way and giving them a place to share that information with each other. And we've found a lot of value in that. Awesome. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep us on time. Yes, sure. I have yes, two yes. more questions I want to ask that I'm going to combine. But I'm so glad you brought up community because um, however you define community, however you form communities, if you're not doing that for your customer base, you really need to think about that. Give your customers a place to share and network and experience best practices and, and so on. There's many, many different ways to do it, but I think that's really, really critical. So I'm going to combine in the remaining short time that we have, and I could talk with these guys all day long, I'm going to combine two questions. So we probably have a lot of aspiring CMOs in the audience here. Um, so two-part question. How do you motivate your teams? And what advice would you give to the folks in the room who are trying to move up the ladder and become a CMO? Um, or just up-level their skill set in, in the marketing discipline? So, Nate, we're going to start okay. with you. Um, how to motivate teams. I, I think our, my motivation for teams is all about making them feel like they own the problem with me. We're, we're, we're in this together. If we succeed together, we win. If we lose together, we lose, but we're all in this together. So, uh, my approach is there's no heroes. You know, we, we have to succeed and lose together. And I think that's really the, and then that comes from a sense of transparency. If there's bad news, I share it. We don't hide it. If it's good news, we give the accolades and talk about it. Um, that's kind of my approach. Uh, and then the second part of your question was, Oh, aspiring marketers. Um, I think something Brian said earlier on the spectrum of, you know, brand marketers. Sorry, put my hand in front of you. If you drew a line and said way over here is like brand creatives and way over here are like data and, um, you know, demand gen folks, 
wherever you are on that spectrum, start moving yourself towards the other end. And because you have to be a multidimensional marketer these days to be a CMO. You can't just be a product marketer. You can't just be a demand gen. You have to understand it all. You don't have to do it all well. We've got great demand gen people on our team that help me do that because I'm not, it's not my superpower. But I know how to do it now better than I would have if I hadn't focused on it. So that's, that's what I'd leave you with is just figure out you know, what are your characteristics that you're really good at, what are the ones that you probably need, and start filling in the ones that you need because you can't get this job and be one-sided. Love it. Agreed. Agreed. Um, okay, so motivation. Uh, for me, it's two things. It is constant learning and education and really creating that path for my team to develop in whatever direction they want. Maybe they've got a map to be a CMO and we can identify those gaps together and I can give them opportunities to learn or be a part of projects that maybe don't fall within their job description, but uh, we can carve out that time together because that's the thing they want to learn for career progression and remembering that it's my job to help them be successful in their career, not to help them be successful just at Terminus uh, and to help them build that career path. And then the second thing is authenticity and transparency. I um, am an extremely candid leader. I tell our team the good news, the bad news, just like you said, good news, bad news, with as much context as I possibly can. Uh, and some of that sort of leads into my answer to advice for aspiring CMOs, which is learn the business, not just fill in the gaps in the marketing org. I agree with that entirely, but look outside of marketing. Start understanding financial metrics. If you don't understand the financial metrics, get time with your FP&A manager. Get time with your CFO. I promise they'll be excited to talk to you for a marketer that actually wants to talk about finance. Get to know the sales metrics. You probably know them better than a lot of the other parts of the organization, but really understand their reality understand what it's like to work in a sales position and hire salespeople. You need to be able to align with your CRO. If you don't know his world, you can't do that. Same thing on the CXO side, right? So your customer org, your experience org. Get to know the rest of the business because marketing really is the glue when done well that connects a lot of the dots across not just the go-to-market but also the internal org because often we own that employee brand as well. Step outside of marketing, you don't live on an island, get to know the rest of the business, and if you don't do anything else, learn the financial metrics. And awesome. Brian. 20, 20 seconds, I'll do the second one. Um, so agree with everything you said, uh, you both said. I, I'd say the additional piece is just be inquisitive and learn how to become good at being inquisitive. Because uh, yes, you definitely should take on areas that are outside of your scope, uh, but whether it's in or outside of your organization, you're never going to know anything and you need to figure out how to ask the right questions so you can make useful decisions. That's a great suggestion. I yeah, so I, I know we're, we're out of time. I'll just add my pieces of commentary. Love everything the panel said. Um, there's a famous quote from Eleanor Roosevelt, which is, do one thing every day that scares you. And I try and live that as a marketer. Um, and part of that is the learning that people talked about. Get close to the product team, too. Learn your product know the technology, don't be afraid to get involved in the product piece. Your go-to-market strategy will fail if you don't know your product well. So um, great panel, great thoughts and advice from this amazing esteemed group of people. Thank you for joining me today and thank you all for your time. Well, that is a wrap on our panel of CMOs. 
It was so cool to hear how these leaders from various industries and phases of growth are juggling these turbulent times. Totally. So big shout out to Karen, Natalie, Brian, and Nate for sharing their stories. And thank you all for tuning in today. Don't forget to subscribe and catch us on LinkedIn and Twitter. We'll catch you next week. Take care.